Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. Like so many other churches and houses of worship across the world, we've decided to take our weekly service online to comply with various social distancing efforts and stay-at-home orders in light of the recent coronavirus pandemic. Our stream goes live every Sunday at 10 a.m. Be sure to check it out on our website at cascadevineyard.org stream or on Facebook at Cascade Vineyard Church. We'd love to have you join us online. Enjoy this message. Hey, CVC, good morning. Uh, a couple things I want to go over with you real quick before we get into the message today. Uh, first thing, number one, our school supply drive is on, annual school supply drive. We do that every summer. Uh, a couple people have asked, are we going to do that this year? We are doing that this year. We're currently collecting school supplies. Um, the distribution date will be August 27th. That's a Thursday. That'll happen through our food pantry. So we've got about a month or just a little over a month to uh, to get those things together. So if you would like to donate to that, there's a couple things you can do. You can drop off school supplies if you go shopping and pick up a few things. Uh, that's great. Uh, the only day that there's somebody typically at the office all day is Thursdays. So you can drop them off Thursdays at the office or contact either MSA McConnell or myself, and we'll make arrangements to connect with you some other way. But that is happening, so we would we would love you to be able to support uh, that ministry and participate in that if you can. Uh, second thing, in regard to the food pantry, uh, we actually have a volunteer slot open. We have had a really, really great team there for, for many years, but we've recently lost one of our volunteers. So if anybody uh, feels led to, we need somebody from like 8 to 10 or 10.30 on Thursday mornings. Uh, and if you could come in for a couple hours on Thursdays, even you don't have to come every week, once or twice a month, but whatever, uh, c- contact me directly and I'll, I'll uh, give you more information and set you up with that. But we'd love to add a volunteer just for a couple hours on Thursday morning, help unload the food from Oregon Food Bank and then put it on the shelves and get it ready to go for uh, the clientele that comes in later in the day. And then I wanted to talk for just a minute about small groups. We are still not able to resume meeting on Sundays, and I apologize, we still don't really have a timeline. We're still working uh, with Christ the King. There's been some setbacks there in in terms of how that's going. So, uh, you know, this is just a moving target. I don't really know. Uh, It could be through the summer uh, before we're able to get back together. But uh, we have started meeting in small groups. So a few things I want to let you know. One is that our Tuesday morning prayer group is meeting live again. And we bumped that back from 6.30 to 7. So we're meeting up at the office building from 7 to 8 o'clock every Thursday morning. Or Tuesday morning, my apologies. Tuesday morning. And you are welcome to join us for that if you'd like to. Both of our existing home groups are beginning to meet again. So if you are part of either the, the uh, Huffman McVicker group or uh, the uh, Tucker Kyle stocking group, uh, you can connect with the leaders of those groups and get more information. If you're not part of those groups, but you're interested, contact again those leaders, and they would be happy to give you information on that. And then the last thing I'll mention is that uh, we are going to, in August, have our first men's breakfast for quite a while. That's kind of cool. Uh, that will be the uh, same schedule as it's been in the past, second Saturday of the month, which will be August 8th, 9 a.m. But here's the difference. We'll be meeting in a home, and we'll be meeting outside. So we can have uh, maintain some distance and, and follow all the guidelines and do all that stuff, but still get together. So uh, this week's newsletter had the information on that. If you, if you don't get the newsletter and you'd like to, let me know uh, or read the newsletter this week 
again next week, and the uh, the specific address for that meeting will be there. But men's breakfast will be back on uh, for the month of August. So a little update on on kind of how things are going. Uh, we have been for the last few weeks uh, looking at some of the parables of Jesus. Uh, and today we're going to change that up a little bit. I. I uh, I had something on my heart this week, felt like I wanted to share with you guys. We will come back to the parables probably next week or the week after. But uh, this morning, I want to talk a little bit about hope. Uh, and, and I really feel as though, you know, we're in this kind of uh, weird time in, in life right now. And maybe for some people, hope is lacking a little bit. You're feeling a little hopeless. Uh, and I, I couldn't fault anybody for that. Uh, and I think this is... A consistent theme. Usually when I, when I feel something like that from the Lord to speak, it's almost always confirmed through other sources. And so I was thinking about teaching on hope. And then uh, right immediately after that, I'm looking at my Instagram feed and my friend Jake Schween is on there from Grace Chapel and he's teaching on hope uh, at, at Grace. So I thought, well, OK, so so God's doing something. He's speaking something. So I want to talk about hope this morning. Hope is uh, kind of an interesting dynamic. In the sense that it's not based in present circumstances. Hope has absolutely nothing to do with what's going on right now. In fact, it is by definition uh, a confident expectation of a preferable future. Confident expectation of a preferable future. Hope has to do with what hasn't happened yet, not what's going on now. So I want to look at uh, two passages in Romans today and talk about hope. But first, let's go ahead and just uh, pray real quick and, and kind of just ask God to bless us this morning and, and be with us in this in this service today. Thanks, Lord, uh, for your goodness and the opportunity to worship uh, even separately together and to really look into your word and to be able to use the technology that we have available to us to, uh, to come together in your name, even if we can't be in the same place at the same time. We love you. We thank you. We ask you to just uh, anoint your word for us today. Your name we pray. Amen. All right, I want to look at, uh, as I said, two verses and two passages in Romans, both very short. One's one verse, one's two. First one's in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. And uh, it says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And then just a couple chapters later in Romans 8, verse 18, Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So in both of these passages, Paul indicates that their current situation is challenging or, or possibly difficult, but he's focused on the future, and he has that confident expectation uh, of a preferable future. He's looking ahead to something that God's going to do. In verse, uh, in, in chapter 5, the, the word there that we, we read as rejoice, we also rejoice in our sufferings. Uh, the Greek word is kahami, and it literally means this, is to hold your head up high and live with God-given confidence. Hold your head up high and live with not confidence in yourself, but God-given confidence. Uh, and and that, that's the position that Paul has and that we can have in the midst of suffering. Um, we, we know that we have confidence that 
whatever we might be going through right now and whatever we have to endure in the course of this lifetime, that first of all, there's fruit from that. That, that will ultimately develop our character. It will cause us to, to persevere and that our character will be developed and formed and become more Christ-like. And ultimately that will give birth to hope. As, uh, as Romans 8 says, nothing that we're going through, nothing that we endure, nothing that happens in the course of life is even worth comparing. No matter how bad it gets, it's not even worth comparing to the hope that we have in him. Uh, I want to look at this in context today a little bit. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking about a preferable future, but to, to really fully appreciate the preferable future, I think we have to look at our present suffering. Uh, you, you know, there, there's, a, there's a, a contrast to what is to be with what is now. And look, let's, let's be honest and let's face it, it, it's a crazy time right now. It really is. It's a crazy time. We're still in the midst of this uh, global pandemic. Uh, whatever, you know, I, I don't even know what that means, uh, global pandemic. It's it. We, we but we, I think we're all realizing that moving forward, there really is going to be what a new normal. We use that term, a new normal, but things are not going to be the way that they have been in the past. Whatever the ultimate outcome of this is, it's going to be different. So there's that, and, and it's unknown. We don't know what that'll be like, and that's a little scary. In, in addition to that, I think we're still dealing with social, political, racial unrest. Uh, in our nation, and really, uh, in, a, in a very real way, Portland has kind of become the epicenter for that. We're, we're in national news. I've had, uh, this past week, at least three or four friends of mine from different parts of the country uh, reach out to me, call me, or, or text me and say, hey, you know, are you okay? What's going on in Portland? Because the national news just shows, you know, all this stuff happening that's pretty isolated downtown. But the reality is Portland has become somewhat of an epicenter for that. And that's still part of the life that we're living right now. So those are current situations. But we also have all of the other sort of normal weird stuff that goes on in life. There hasn't been any, uh, you know, school shootings or terrorist attacks in the last few months, thank God. But those are realities that we live with, that we never know when those kind of things might happen. Uh, and then you add to all of that, we, we are in an election year right now, and our country is as politically polarized as it's ever been, um, which is, again, just adds to the stress and tension that I think people are feeling. I, I read this week an uh, interesting thing. For democracy to succeed, uh, this, this article said we need two things to be in place. For democracy to succeed, two things need to be in place. One is that the general population has to have some shared trust, uh, trusted source of information. If they have a shared, trusted source of information. And the reality is we've lost that. We don't have that. Um, the way it is today, one person's trusted source is another person's fake news. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very polarized. Uh, and, and I'm not advocating for any one source above the others. All I'm saying is that the, this, there's no trusted source of information, even those information sources are polarized. Uh, you know, and I was thinking about this. In the 60s and 70s, when I was growing up, um, Walter Cronkite was the, 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 the most well-known news guy. 
Walter Cronkite was also, during that time, the most trusted man in America. Uh, and that was not the, the network or the, you know, the news, the TV didn't give him that label. That was a, an opinion poll. People asked Americans, there was a, a public opinion poll, who, who do you trust? And people said, Walter Cronkite, he's the guy on the news. And today I thought there's nobody, that, there's no way that any one news person would be the most trusted person in America. Nobody believes anything any of them say. Um, the second thing that the general population needs in order, in order for democracy to succeed is trust in foundational institutions, things like the presidency, the Department of Justice, the FBI, the CIA, law enforcement. And the reality is that uh, we've lost that as well. And again, right or wrong, I'm not taking sides in this. I'm simply saying that the confidence in those things has eroded. And so what all of that results in, what that means to you and me, is, is that there's a, a giant vortex just sucking hope out of the air. It's just sucking hope out of the atmosphere. It just dissipates. Uh, so where do we find hope? Where, where do we look to? How do we find hope in the midst of all this stuff going on around us all the time? So, uh, you know, what we often do, of course, as, as Christians, we look to Jesus and we look to Jesus' followers. What did they do? You know, and uh, the, the early disciples, there are some parallels uh, between what they went through and what we went, what we're going through, and what we, what's happening in our culture today, in that they knew what it was like to lose hope. Uh, the disciples were living under Roman rule, uh, as you know, and that was not only uh, socially and politically oppressive to them, but it, it was also an insult to their faith and to their their theology. They, they had read the Old Testament. They'd read the prophecies of Isaiah, and they believed that a Messiah was coming. And then Jesus shows up, and he says, hey, I'm the Messiah. I'm the guy you've been waiting for. And not only does he say that, but he's doing miracles. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's raising people from the dead. He's teaching with authority. <laughs> and they began to have hope. Hope began to rise up in the hearts of his followers. Finally, the thing they'd looked for, the thing they'd prayed for, the thing they believed was going to happen was happening. And, you know, in all that, they're on the inside track. They're, they're, the, they're the ones that are the closest to Jesus. They're, they're his friends. They're hanging out. They're buds. And they're thinking, this is great. This is awesome. Finally, the Messiah's here. We're with him. And then Jesus gets arrested. And, and, and I'm sure that they thought, well, okay, no problem. You know, Jesus is just kind of... He's going to play into their hand a little bit. He's going to just, we'll see how this goes. No problem. Uh, you know, Jesus is going to show them. And then they beat Jesus. And they're thinking, okay, all right, Jesus, now's the time. I mean, you, you know, you, now you got you got to do something. And then they nail Jesus to a cross and he dies. And everything that they'd hoped in was crushed. And Jesus becomes kind of the poster boy for don't mess with Rome. You know, uh, you see this? You see this guy over here? You mess with us? That's what's going to happen to you. All their hope was crushed. And they're thinking, with everything that Jesus did, I mean, all, all the signs were there, all the indications were there. If Jesus wasn't the guy, who is the guy? If he's not the Messiah, who... I mean, is there a guy? Is there going to be a Messiah? Then, of course, you know, the weirdest thing that could happen happened. 
some of the women go to the tomb on Easter morning and the stones roll back and he, he's gone. He, he's not there. So they run back to tell the disciples. The disciples don't believe him because they're women. Gentlemen, take note. Um, but that, that was the truth. And so Peter and, and John are going to see for themselves. They run to the tomb and it's true. What they said is true. Uh, he's gone. He's gone. What, what's going on? What, what is happening right now that Jesus isn't here? And then he shows up and he appears to Mary and to Peter and to the two guys on the road to Emmaus and then to the disciples and to the others. And, and, and Jesus rose from the dead and in rising from the dead, he introduced a whole new kind of hope. This, this was a hope that was different than any hope they'd ever had before because previously their hope was in defeating their enemies. Their hope was in Israel overthrowing Rome. And now, now their hope was in learning to love their enemies. It wasn't, it wasn't anchored in Israel being liberated and freed uh, 40 years from, from then, 40 years in the future. Rome was going to crush the Jews and, and kick them out of Jerusalem. But their hope wasn't in that. It wasn't in the expectation that their suffering was going to somehow end. The reality is each one of them would be persecuted, would be tortured, and, and, and would be executed. So their hope wasn't in circumstances changing around them. Hope wasn't, and this is, I think, the, the, the word for us today, is hope isn't in the Messiah fixing the world. You know, their world was pretty messed up after Jesus. And, and look, our world today is as messed up, if not more, than that. Our hope is in Jesus and him crucified and resurrected, alive and moving and working in and through the challenges and the difficulties and the circumstances that we face every day. In, in and through uh, the tragedy, in, in and through the difficulty, uh, you know, look, here's the thing. COVID-19 is not the last word. That isn't the end of the story. Injustice and prejudice is not the last word. Climate change isn't the last word. Shootings and terrorism aren't the last word. If I, I say this humbly, but our hope isn't in this nation. Our, our hope isn't in a better police force. Our, our hope isn't in technology. It's not in medical science. It's not in who's in the, in the Oval Office. It's, it's not in economic economics at all. It's not in environmental concern. It's not in any of that. Our hope isn't in those things. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't engage in those things. I, I think we should. I think we're called as Christians to be engaged in culture, engaged in society. So I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm saying we don't put our hope in those things. We, we, we don't put our hope in, in a better America. We don't put our hope in, in anything outside of the hope that is the kingdom of God being here with us now. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isaiah says... Isaiah 9, verse 7, of the greatness of his government and peace, his government and peace, there will be no end. There will be no end. He, he will turn 
tears to laughter. He will turn sorrow and mourning to joy. Uh, and again, however you feel, I, it's it's we're, we're polarized over everything today. However you feel about COVID, the pandemic, wearing a mask, any of that, the, re the reality is this. It, you can't deny the, the reality that globally half a million people have died. And, and I think of the people that are alive. I, I think of, of the mothers and fathers, the sisters and brothers, the sons and daughters, the husbands and wives of those people. And, and you realize that's a lot of pain. It's a lot of mourning. It's a lot of grief going on. And Jesus is the only one that will turn that grief into joy. The only one that will turn that sadness into joy. Until then, until that day comes, uh, what, we, what we need to do is walk out our lives in the midst of his kingdom today. We need to bring healing to sickness. We, we need to bring comfort to mourning. We need to love the brokenness that we see around us. We need to look for those that are in need and, and reach out to, to people that we, can, that we can change and we can do something for in, in any moment that we can, wherever we can, however we can. That's our call. That's what we're to be light and darkness. We're, we're, to, we're to be the ones that, that bring hope and bring comfort and peace and healing. Be peacemakers to people around us. Care for the poor and hungry. Live sacrificially. Be willing. Be willing to sacrifice and give up a little bit of, of your time and your effort and your energy on behalf of someone else. Lo love those people that are the most vulnerable around you. I, you know, I mean, I, I love... Uh, th Thursdays are non-negotiable for me. The truth is, at our pantry here, I don't have to be here. I mean, I, I said before, we have a great crew. I don't really do anything. I, I just hang out. But I, I need to be there. I want to. I want to connect with people. I want to see those folks, and, and I want. I want to be a part of what's happening in terms of just serving our community, just caring, just in some small way, caring for the people that I can care for. So. We need to live like Jesus, love like Jesus, uh, look like Jesus. Uh, just just walk in and spread hope. Be, be heralds of hope wherever we go, whatever we do. God bless you guys. I miss you. I love you. Hope to see you all again uh, really, really soon. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give. We'll see you all online next week.